Well, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast, the quarantine series. By now, you guys have heard the Todd Hofford episode as well as the Phil Wedden one. Today, we have Chris Sharp of the Colorado Rapids. Some of you guys may know him from my YouTube content that I've recently posted. I did a pro series where I mic'd up Chris and then had an interview post the session, and we talked about his coaching points and why he drew up that session in the preseason. If you guys haven't seen that, go to my YouTube channel, Pro GK Academy, and watch that. You guys can get a little bit more information on Chris. But for now, sit back, relax. Hopefully, you guys are staying safe, staying healthy, and making sure that the family is coming first in this moment that we're all kind of living through in its entirety. So please sit back, relax. This is the Chris Sharp of the Colorado Rapids. Enjoy. Chris, you good? How we doing? My man, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good. Sorry, it took me a second just to find you there. No, no worries. No worries. How is, uh, I'm sure this quarantine and this whole coronavirus stuff has been crazy for you. So how are you staying uh, in touch with the game? Look, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a interesting time for everybody, to be honest with you. Doing a lot of these sorts of things, just trying to help uh, educate everybody. There's a good time to do that sort of stuff. And I think even for uh, for myself, trying to educate myself and, you know, watching Phil and, and listening to Todd and, you know, so many good people out there to, to you know, pull from. So it's a, look, it's, it's a tough time for sure, but, you know, it's a time to find little things to grow and, and when we can all do that. For sure. And I think that's important for, like, even someone in your position to say that as well. I think even for the young kids out there, it's important to not take this time as a relaxation period, but more so as, as a time to learn and keep being a student of the game. So how are you kind of relaying that information to your goalkeepers? Well, I think for me, um, you know, I'll start with the young guys. So for the DA boys, what I've done is I put together a two-week program and it doesn't just involve football. It involves a little hand-eye basketball, uh, some tennis, you know, some, some how to build your own plates as far as your breakfast, lunch and dinner is concerned, you know, and then, and then for the boys, I mean, for, the first team boys, obviously, they're well looked after from our sports science department. And, you know, for me, it's just touching base them on, on a daily basis and making sure they're ticking over and, and not going stir crazy, so to speak. Got you. Okay. Well, let's get into these questions and hop on. And uh, one thing I definitely want to ask you, Chris, and we've already talked about, you know, people who haven't seen the, the pro series on YouTube, which if you haven't, guys, this is a perfect time to watch it. More long form content where Chris breaks down his session, which again, thank you so much for letting me mic you up. It was a privilege to do that. But, uh, you know, just to kind of highlight for yourself a little bit of what is your philosophy as a coach? What do you look for in a goalkeeper? And, you know, if you can kind of just give me like a few sentences uh, as to, let's say, if you had to break it down to somebody who was asking you that question. Look, I, I think that's a multitude of answers to that question. You know, I, I listened to a very good podcast this morning that actually opened my eyes to a few things, which were quite interesting. It was the, the head of uh, the, the English FA, um, the goalkeeping coach there, and he was just saying that there, there's, you know, there's no specific mould for a goalkeeper. But if you're looking for a, a big, tall, long, athletic goalkeeper, you're going to give away something somewhere else. If you go for a smaller goalkeeper, you're probably looking for speed and agility. You know, I think for me, there's a happy medium in there somewhere. As someone who who is, you know, agile and quick, and you know, has the range, both laterally and aerially, to 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 cover what you need. Is comfortable with their feet, especially in today's game. You know, and I think for me, above all else, they're consistent. I think that's probably the number one priority. They're a consistent figure in a daily basis on the training field and in a locker room and they take that to the weekend games and again I think consistency at the highest level builds 
you know, you can, again, you can go in a multitude of different facets there as far as size and athleticism and speed and technique, technical ability and your feet and stuff like that. So I don't think there's actually one specific right answer. Uh, I think everyone's going to have a different thought process to it. But for me, it's, it's a happy medium. Somewhere in there where they are consistent on a daily basis and, and offering the group what we need to do to win football games. Got you. So one of the questions we have here from Owen Corneoni. I think, I think I butchered that, but I'm sure it's something with the silent L's. But he's asking, how do you help smaller goalkeepers like Abraham succeed in the MLS and USL environment? So essentially, I mean, I'm sure they have a lot more to go up against as a shorter goalkeeper. So how do you kind of facilitate certain things for that? To be honest with you, when I, I watched our series over and over and over again, and, you know, you, your little things just kind of kept coming back in my head. And look, Abe, Abe is not a typical size goalkeeper for MLS football, maybe not for English Premier League, when you look at stuff like that, I think you look at guys like Nicky Romando, and I'll take Nick Romando as the, as the prototypical type goalkeeper for Abraham size. You know, 5'10", wonderful shot stopper, wonderful reactions, bit more of a line goalkeeper. So, you know, with Abraham and, you know, Abe and, and, and Nicky are very similar. Nicky's feet were probably the best that MLS has ever seen over the course of time. So what he lacked there in for height and probably his range both in the air and, and, and the, the top corner, so to speak, he made up for in his agility, his ability to, to, to react, his ability to start attacks with his feet. I think for me, for Abraham, at about 14 years old, I realised he wasn't going to be a very big goalkeeper. So we kind of made that adjustment to him, say, look, you're not going to be a kid who's going to be coming for crosses. That's just not your game. So we're going to start working on turning out, getting yourself set and, and working from the line. You know, and he's mastered that at his young age, you know, obviously a long way to go, but, you know, he's mastered that kind of thought process, so to speak. But I think the smaller goalkeepers, the, the, the lads who aren't going to be that physically demanding and dominant, that they have to find that niche area that's going to help them. You know, and for Nicky, it was wonderful distribution, ability to start the attack from the back, wonderful shot stopper, wonderful organiser, played pretty high off his line when the, when the, the, um, the team was high up the field, so he was sweeping in behind, but was a little bit of a deeper goalkeeper in his box as far as you know, shot stopping and, and reactions were concerned. And, and that's the same with Abraham. He has to look at that and go, okay. So for me, for those smaller goalkeepers, just finding exactly the area they need to be in and, and can be super, super successful at that as well. Yeah, so I think uh, along with the redeeming qualities, right, I think I spoke with Phil and Todd about this. Again, it's a question that comes up a lot about shorter goalkeepers and how they are able to... Uh, you know, be successful at that next level without having that height. But aside from having the redeeming qualities and recognizing that at a young age, from a coach's perspective, like you said, it's really important for you to be honest and have those honest conversations and say, look, we know what you're going to probably end up being because of the biology and what we've seen with your family and, and what the size is of your parents. But let's start figuring out those redeeming qualities now versus you realizing, oh, at 16, 17, I'm not going to be any taller. And then from there, now you're playing catch up. So again, do you feel like that's the coach's role as well to kind of create that environment and be real with the goalkeepers? A hundred percent. And I, I think doing that at a younger age for the boys who are looking like they're going to be of the level you're looking to, to push through to first teams, USL, MLS, so on and so forth. Again, I say Abraham, his parents aren't the biggest. And at 15 years old, we kind of had to mold, begin to mold him in the shape that I wanted him to, to get to, thinking, okay, he does have the ability here. He has the raw ability to be very, very good and very successful. You know, now look, Abraham, you, you take him and put him in, in, in Liga MX and you've got their prototypical goalkeeper. Very good with yeah. the feet, very quick, great reactions, closing down speed, 
you know, and I said to Abraham in the offseason in 2019 going to 2020, you have to come back the fittest and quickest goalkeeper bar none. I think in the preseason testing, he was the fourth quickest player in the team. Whoa. So if you look at the, the, the ability to adjust his game to what we were looking for, he did that very, very well. Now, look, he's got a long way to go. He's super young, but he understands the goalkeeper that he needs to be to be successful at the higher levels. Perfect. Okay, so I have a question here from 20 Road Warrior 21 He says, what tips do you have for goalkeepers trying to work on their positioning? So maybe solo training or even for goalkeeper coaches, how do you help uh, goalkeepers apply that and, and have that translate to the game? Right. I think, look, you know, again, that's, that's, a, that's a multifaceted answer. I think working on your own positioning is not the easiest thing in the world because you need to have things around you if you're going to give it some sort of a, a game-like feel. You know, as much as we can for, for our goalkeepers, especially in, in the first team and the development academy type guys, uh, and, and even down through our youth club, you know, we try and set up things where in groups, whether it's groups of four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, doesn't matter, we're using the, the non-working goalkeepers um, to be and set up game-like scenarios so the goalkeepers are actually getting reps in those, you know, positional areas, so to speak, a lot of the times those guys don't have the ability to, to jump in with the teams and do the positional work like you would see on the weekend, especially in, in, in youth goalkeeping, you know, because you take them away from their teams at the time and, and start doing, you know, the goalkeeping work. And, and I think for me, finding ways to create uh, game-like situations that allow the lads to see and the girls to see those moments to work on their positioning and then replicating it and then repeating them and constantly repeating them. You know, as you say, just like anything else, dribbling and passing and everything else for field players, I think for the goalkeepers is trying to find in our training sessions the ability to replicate game-like situations, whether it's playing higher off your line, whether it's angle play positioning, whether it's the, the distance behind the back four and you're using, you know, half the field to, to create a back four and a goalkeeper and balls in behind or, you know, positioning on crosses or so on and so forth. But Really, rather than just setting up shots and putting goalkeepers where they need to be, pulling them out of position and then allowing them to find their positions with the use of the other goalkeepers in the, in the training group. I would say that's a great point for goalkeeper coaches as well. Just understanding that some clubs, they throw you 15, let's say 10, 15 goalkeepers, and you're trying to figure out how to utilize all of them without having them get bored or that lose interest or lose rhythm and flow. But like you said, it's, it's important to find ways to put them in positions that they're forcing the goalkeeper to make those decisions out of position, in position. So at least now they're also helping uh, the goalkeeper, but also, you know, being used in the drill. So, um, okay, let's see. We have one right here. Chris, what is your favorite favorite topic to teach? That's a really good question. My favorite topic to teach is probably crosses. I'm a big advocate in the goalkeeping world, I think for goalkeepers in general, there's two things that are probably the hardest thing to master, and that is distribution, long and short, and the ability to come for crosses in traffic. You look across the, 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 the broad spectrum of goalkeepers, everyone can save shots, you know, good technique, bad technique, it doesn't matter, people can keep the ball at the back of the net. Um, I think people have the ability to close space down and be big and be brave in certain moments, but I think for me... Every young goalkeeper's fear is coming for crosses in traffic and the decision to punch, the decision to catch, the decision to jump off two feet, one foot, getting the, 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 the positioning of the feet right, the timing of the feet right. So for me, I really enjoy that aspect of the game. I think there's so many different ways to do it and teach it, uh, especially from, you know, now we look at the first team boys, 
you used to go down the sideline and knock crosses in from the corner flag and the sideline, the six-yard box, the sideline, the penalty spot. I don't think I've done a session that far wide on crosses for 12 months, 18 months. Mm. I think everything else is, you know, as you saw in the preseason, a lot of stuff is in, you know, closer now. And I think that for me, that's a, it's a topic, it's an area that is probably the most difficult for goalkeepers in the split second to make decisions. And, and I really enjoy teaching that topic and then seeing the boys succeed in that topic and the girls succeed in that topic as well. I think, I mean, I love your answer there because I think that's the biggest point where of my emphasis as well is that you can find anybody across the world, not anybody, but you know, people who are going to be chosen for those uh, ODP or for the national team. And those goalkeepers naturally are shot stoppers and they're good at keeping the ball out of the net. But the biggest thing is it's those little decisions, whether it's crosses, 1v1s, and it's those are the, those are the reasons or the decisions um, that put you in good favor and have that trust built over time with the coach to allow you to be the one who's chosen number one in the group. So I think that's a, that's a great point that you just made. Okay, I have one right here. It's been, it's been asked twice now um, but by two different people, but I'm going to get to Aldo here. Aldo.feria, and he says, Chris, any word of advice or motivation for 2020 seniors whose season was just uh, put on pause? Great question. Um, word of advice for the lads that have been and, and put on pause. <clears throat> You know, I think it's the same message I'm going to keep saying to, to, to our young goalkeepers at the club. You've you got to put your head down. You've got to keep working. This is not a time right now, you know, and I know it's a difficult time for everybody. It's, a, it's an unknown time for everybody and, and, and very uncharted waters for, for people in general. But I think for me, finding a way to putting your head down right now, um, better yourself in all aspects, whether it's your, your habits at home, your habits eating, your habits sleeping, you know, if you feel like we just talked about, if you feel you're a smaller goalkeeper, what are you working on to be a better, smaller goalkeeper? Your your athleticism, your agility, your plyometric work, um, your distribution. I think right now, a lot of people think that it's time to, you know, I, I can take a break. For me now, it's time for our goalkeepers to put their heads down and, and really focus on things that maybe they don't get to do when they're going 100 miles an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You've got school, you've got training you've got chores at home you've got mum and dad you've got brothers and sisters you've got travel you've got all these sorts of things and you now my message to the guys was look right now i understand it's difficult right now we're all going stir crazy inside but i think finding ways to better yourself as, as a as a person better yourself as a goalkeeper both on and off the field finding avenues to expand your mind finding avenues to watch goalkeepers that are, are much similar to yourself as a, as a, as a young goalkeeper but also better yourself, time to work on weaknesses. And really, you know, if it's your left foot, get out and, you know, go down the park on your own and take a bag of balls and, and hit left foot of balls into a trash can all day long. You know, and I, as I said at the beginning, I set some stuff up for the DA boys this week and it was basketball workouts. Get Grab a basketball, set position, bouncing right hand, bouncing left hand off the wall, back, you know, and, and just things that they're trying to coordinate themselves with, you know. But I think for me, it's a time now for, for the 2020 seniors whose season have been cut off to really head down, knuckle, so to speak, on everything that you think you can work on. For sure. That's a good answer. It's unfortunate for some of those guys. Even you see uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament being canceled, a lot of those seniors don't have that farewell game or their last game to uh, to really look forward to. So that's a good answer. I appreciate that, Chris. Um, let's see. We have Ace Money 1017 He says, what's some advice you would give young goalkeepers looking for MLS trials? And I'm going to kind of rephrase that. So I'm going to give you the two-part one. One is looking for MLS trials and one who are going to those MLS trials. So 
as a coach, Chris, from your perspective, what are some tips that you would give guys who are looking to make it to that next level? I think, look, I, we, we spoke a little bit on the, on the uh, preseason podcast and, you know, I kind of threw this out there a little bit because I think that there is a, a very big underlying want to look at goalkeepers right now who have very good presence. When we run tryouts and we've got both field players and goalkeepers there that are unknown, and a lot of the time they are unknown because, you know, they're not handpicked or they're not being brought into to the club or the trials from the coaching staff. So you're going out there and, and you're looking for, you know, the guys that haven't been seen as much or noticed as much. Your presence, the way you carry yourself, the way you hold yourself in the warm-up, the way you walk in to shake the coach's hand, the way you sign up the, 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 on the paper, from the moment you step on the field, how you carry yourself is going to get that first look from the coaching staff. The way you speak as a goalkeeper, you know, your, your body language to talk to your teammates, your want to get to know the guys on the field that you don't know when you're going to a tryout. You don't know anybody on the field. You might have one or two guys that are teammates previously, but when you walk on that field, you know, I, I want to see that you've already done your homework in the 30, 40, 50 minutes you were there prior to. You know everybody on the team. You know their names. You know their positions. You know what foot they are. These are things that I'm looking at. You know, you go through your warm-up. I personally, for me, when I go and watch college goalkeepers, I'm looking at them for MLS. I'm there an hour before the game. I get more out of their warm-up in the 30 minutes they warm up than I do out of the 90 minutes of the game sometimes. So what I'm looking at before you step on that field and play that 90-minute game or the 2.30 or whatever the tryout looks like is so important to me, um, especially for the goalkeepers and how your body language and the way your demeanor comes across because they're the people that I want in the locker room. For sure. I think that's also a big point for younger goalkeepers as well. Like There's always somebody watching, and if you have aspirations to get to that next level, like we talked about earlier in this episode, is making sure that you set that foundation and understanding of what you want from yourself and what you want to get to, the level you want to get to, and then start reverse engineering, like Phil said yesterday, figure out what the end end goal is and then work backwards and figure out. So if you want to be a professional goalkeeper, or Division One goalkeeper, go watch these goalkeepers that are warming up and see their demeanor, like you said, their mannerisms, how they act and how they carry themselves. And from there, start trying to not mimic it, but try and figure out a way to adopt some of those uh, pieces. So we have a question here from uh, Phil Wedden. He says, Chris, I was lucky enough to be with you in Colorado. You have developed a great training culture in your academy. Can you help the coaches by explaining how you develop that culture over time? Phil, how are you doing? We need to catch up. Um, <laughs> fantastic podcast the other night too, mate. Really enjoy listening to it. Look, Phil, I was, lucky, I, I was lucky enough to have Phil in our MLS Pro course as my mentor. Wonderful man. And something for me, again, Omar, that you and I spoke about, in the preseason, you know, I think it, it was a process. Building the culture at the club has been a process. It doesn't doesn't happen overnight. But what I found way back when I started here was that, you know, the goalkeepers were kind of the ones just pushed to the side. Okay, you go and have the corner, you have the ten by ten yards, and you wait till we call you over here, and we may use you, we may not. So I think for me, it was a number of things. Number one was finding a the help that I needed from my assistant coaches and the people that needed to buy into what I was looking to do. Um, and I was fortunate enough to find some wonderful coaching staff, you know, across the uh, the years. And PJ and Andy Curran and, and Jeff Olick and, and Brandon Bumpus and all the guys that, are, that that have been wonderful out there to buy into the culture that we're looking for at the club. And then it, it is then putting together your curriculums and your, and your processes and your – 
we try out processes and you know then building something that kids and young goalkeepers can actually hold on to and know they're going to be looked after and then you know it goes from one night a week to goalkeeping training and you're pushing for two nights a week for every goalkeeper at the club and you're pushing for three nights a week over the course of time it's a process and before you know it five six seven years in we had a culture where we were getting kids to a point at tryouts where we had to push kids away because we didn't have enough teams for goalkeepers so i think you know to answer your question phil as a whole it is a process it's a long process but i think as a as a, a, a director putting the people around you that you trust um the coaching staff around you that you can trust that can deliver the curriculums and deliver your thoughts and ideas the way you see it and then having the buy-in from those guys that are as passionate as you towards the, the young goalkeepers men and women and and really then just creating a safe environment for them to come to and you know want to learn and, and want to get better and know they can come to training every night and and put their head down and strive for something and then in within the sessions make it competitive make the goalkeepers compete and then you know before you know it you have culture you have the kids helping each other out you have the older boys and girls coming down to help the younger boys and girls it's a process but there's so much within that process to get it to where it needs to be and be patient with it I think that's a really good answer. And I think to so that the culture aspect is being set, but I kind of want to follow up. Normally I'll read the next question, but since we're on this topic and I think it's a fascinating topic when it comes to the coaching philosophy and, and for you, did you finish playing and did you feel like, okay, all the information that I've acquired and accumulated since I was 15 at Blackburn up until now, I forget, you're like 32 when you started the academy or when you were? I was, ooh, I was late 20s when I started both core and at the uh, the DA. Okay, so in that moment, let's say late twenties, by no means would I say you're refined at that point. Correct? Is that is that safe in saying? So how how where where are you now compared to where you were then? And again, can you just elaborate again about that process? Look, I, I think for me again, it came about. I was playing at the Rapids, and the DA in the US just started. I happened to land in America at the same time the DA started up, and they needed a goalkeeping coach, and I had a an interest in wanting to do it. I've had some wonderful goalkeeping coaches over the years and, and you know, some, some very big mentors. And it, it's taking a little bit of everything that I've learned, good and bad, over the years and, and trying to create my own thought process on how goalkeeping is and, and, and is evolving. I think one of my, my dear friends and, and the ex, one of the ex-head coaches I worked for, Pablo Mastroni, said it best. You, you don't know everything up until the point you stop playing. You know, and that, that's when you feel like you know everything. For me, I stopped playing at a young age. I got offered the opportunity to be a, the, the goalkeeping coach at the Rapids at, you know, 31 years old. So that was my time to switch gears a little bit. Did I know everything at 31? Absolutely not. Do I know everything at 38? No chance. But I feel my process in the last eight years, I had a good little standing with the academy for, for five, six years pre- previously before I went on to, to, to be in the first team. But the, the process is ever evolving. You know, you you start with your thoughts and ideas as a young coach. You have ways you would like to do it, ways you would like to see it done. And then as the game changes, you know, and you know, even listening to Phil and Todd talking about the game, you know, the game is changing. It's ever evolving. You and I had huge conversations about this in, in the preseason. And you know, your methodology and your philosophy is getting tweaked and tuned and turned every day and every time that the game changes, which is every match. But I think for me, it's a it's a whole process, and you take little bits of everything you've been around for your whole life, your whole playing career, and your coaching career. You take a little bit of yourself that you really pieces that you loved about the way you treated people, the way you treated goalkeepers, the way you were treated um, 
you know, as a goalkeeper, whether it was a one or two or three, and then try and find that happy medium in the middle and a, and a way to develop your philosophy and then deliver it. And I think for me, the deliverance of your philosophy and your methodology is the biggest part of it all. And that's what I've learned. Amen. Okay, so just transitioning back now to one of the questions I have for Matthew Stott04. He says, how important is the atmosphere and presence between the goalkeepers in a session? So again, building that culture and kind of elaborating on that. Stoddy's asked that question because he's one of my DA goalkeepers. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, okay. It's massive. And that's a, that's a culture question that, to me. It, it is something that I strive for in both the first team sessions and the development academy sessions, even the core sessions. The atmosphere created amongst the goalkeepers is what drives them on a daily basis. If you have a flat, dead session and you're the one as a coach pushing the atmosphere, and day, there's going to be days where you need to do that and you need to add to the atmosphere. But I'm a big preacher, you know, and going back to Phil's question about culture, I'm a big preacher that the, the guys and girls have to create their own atmosphere within the session because there's going to be days when they walk out in the football field and they feel like a million dollars and the 10 people in front of them don't. And you're going to have to find ways to get that group, that team, those 10 people in front of you going. And if you can do that on a nightly basis, a daily basis in training, you're going to find that far easier come weekends and game days. But, you know, to answer Matt's question, for me personally, an atmosphere in a training session, especially at a young age, is everything. You learn leadership. You learn ways to conduct yourself. You learn ways to help your peers. You learn ways to create and, you know, and take criticism. Uh, and offer criticism in, in positive ways. And I think for me, both at the highest levels and, and in the younger age groups, atmosphere and training session is huge. Got you. Okay, so we have, I think we kind of covered this a little bit earlier, but from Jackson Cook, 345, and then Clams or Harry, they're both asking, what are some things you look for in, young, uh, in a young goalkeeper who could possibly go pro? And the other question is very similar, is what is the biggest aspect of the game that you look for from younger goalkeepers? So I guess younger goalkeepers who are trying to go pro, if you can give me, let's say, Small answer for that one. Uh, it doesn't have to be specific three, four points, but it could be as many as you need. You know, I, I think, you know, character and personality is a big one at a young age. You know, technical ability, building the technical ability over time are things that, you know, goalkeeping coaches can do. And I think are all, you know, at a good level, are all very comfortable doing. What you can't give young humans is, is character and personality. You, you have it or you don't. So to answer that question wholeheartedly, I think at young age, when I'm looking for goalkeepers, what kind of character, what kind of personality do they have early? And then obviously you're looking at the physical attributes, the, the ability, the athleticism, um, the coordination. You know, are they coordinated enough? And, you know, and again, too, if you're, you know, depending on what you're looking for, you're looking for a little bit of size. You're looking at parents. You're looking at size of the parents. You know, but I think there's a, there's a little bit of a package there altogether. You know, but I think for me, striking out, you know, a, a bit of coordination, a bit of athleticism, good hand-eye coordination and the ability to, to carry themselves and, and have some character and personality about them, which is something that I believe you can't really give people. People have that or they don't. Yeah. I think that was a big point you made on the podcast recently when we had is uh, you, you you like seeing that presence. And again, that presence can't be taught. And I think, uh, again, I, I refer back to Tim Dittmer. He was talking to us on the podcast and he was saying that, you know, when you have certain ingredients to make a, a cake and you want to make a chocolate cake, you have to put chocolate in the in the mix to get the chocolate, right? Same thing with goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches. If you want your goalkeepers to have that presence or if you want them to be loud on the field commanding, uh, if you're a good communicator, you need to allow that to be facilitated in training so that they're seeing it every single day and they're building that presence. So um, 
That's a good point for, for, for them. I really appreciate that one. Okay, so from Miguel Martinez 21, he says, what tools do you use? What tools do you use in your coaching arsenal to get the best out of your goalkeepers? Also, do you ever have to do any coaching on the fly? Thanks. Um, so I'll, I'll, the first part of it, I'll answer first. Yes. Um, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Um, for me, trying to create, especially when you have small numbers, at the, at the MLS level, when you have three, maybe four goalkeepers, and you're trying to get the best out of the guys all the time, it's sometimes hard for them to serve, 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 and dump, jump in goal. I do a lot of the serving myself. I try and create the, the, the game moments. Um, the tools that I like to use are things like, you know, the blow-up mannequins, the plastic mannequins. You know, I use traffic cones for deflections and, and, and things in eye line. Um, you guys saw on the, on the Pro Series, the deflector, the Pro Deflect. Obviously, ladders, cones, flat discs, things like that to, to help with the handling and the, you know, the activation one and two pieces as well. I use small goals, big goals, and the distribution piece of it. I use poles, half size, full size. You know, but I, I think the more so the things are adding, you know, stuff in when you get a little bit creative, like when you're doing the crossing, I have the hitting pads like the, the NFL players use. Um, so when the guys are going up, they get hit. I use the Swiss balls a lot to create, you know, just a little bit of traffic around them. You know, but I think, again, especially for me, using dummies, the big blow-up dummies and, 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 the, and the plastic mannequins in certain areas as well for deflection stuff, just trying to create things where goalkeepers are seeing things in eye line. It's very rare these days that the, the goalkeeper is bearing down the forward with nothing in front of them. So, you know, I think it's depending on the topic, depending on what we're trying to achieve on the day, but there is, you know, good resources for props and tools there to help you aid in your session and get what you're looking to, to achieve out of it. Got it. Okay. Uh, Jeff Redinger, Jeff the Keeper, good friend of mine. He's a Division One goalkeeper coach at Cal Baptist, and he is saying, uh, when looking at goalkeepers coming from college, what do you find that most need to work on in order to make it to the next level? So I think um, for any goalkeeper coach that's in the college ranks, in the college level, that's trying to, let's say in their spring season when they have more time with their goalkeepers, trying to fine-tune certain characteristics and aspects about their goalkeeper's game, what should they try to refine to get them to that next level? I think for me, it's, it's quite an easy answer. It goes back to what we talked about before. Most good college goalkeepers that you're actually looking at to get the pro game are good shot stoppers. You know, they're all athletic, they're all of good size, but again, it, it's, the, it's the niche moments that, that really set them apart. You know, it's the ability to control tempos of games. It's the ability to understand what the team is being asked of in their build-up, you know, and, and how they're playing in their structure. You know, again, it goes back to me. I, I can teach technique and we can teach the ability to strike a nice ball and pass a nice ball and receive a nice ball and so on and so forth. But when I'm going to watch the, the lads play in the college games and then, you know, if we bring them in or we draft them, it, it it's going to be the ability to... to understand the moments of the game, understand what's being asked of the game, understanding what the team's trying to achieve during the game. Are they seeing the moments of break lines with their feet? Are they playing high off their line to, to cover the space behind? Just all the little intangible things that maybe sometimes you can't teach in training sessions, um, mm -hmm. but the boys are, are good enough to either have it or they don't. You know, but those are the moments. And, and you, can, you, you can, for me, that there are moments that you can teach in games, uh, 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 sorry, in training sessions, you know, in the classroom and on the grass as well. But those are the really intangible moments in games that you look at and go, okay, he's got the, the, the makeup, mental makeup, and the ability to take that to the next level. That, that would be the, the, the things that I'm looking for.
That is such a good answer. Like I was going to say intangibles, and I think that is a, that's a word that should be used more. And I think for young goalkeepers and young goalkeeper coaches, I'd put more uh, onus on the uh, goalkeeper coaches. Like you said, if you can create that atmosphere, those game-like situations to allow your goalkeeper to build that IQ up and build their reading of the game and understanding what's gonna what what could potentially happen and how can I put out that fire before it actually occurs. So I think that's huge and I think for young goalkeeper coaches listening, please take that into account when drawing up your sessions in the future. Uh, for my man Armando, he says so actually a really good question. Armando is one of the guys that I film with and, and like my guy from from college, good friend of mine. And he uh, he messaged me and he said, You better have some good questions for Chris. I've heard these these four or five interviews with him already. So you gotta have some new ones. So he has a really good question and I'm glad he put this on there. He says, Do you have any idea of of how you want to approach training sessions in the first couple of days back with the first team? Do you have any specific priorities that you want to work on right away after this whole virus? Yeah. 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 Great. Uh, look, for me, it's a wonderful, wonderful question. And it's a, it's, a, it to me. it's a question, to be honest with you, that I know Phil and I know Todd and I know Paulie and I know everyone's going through right now because it's a little bit unknown of how long we're going to be off before we can start doing stuff again. So, in the first week, I sat down and I went over each goalkeeper that I have and put a process together of if we're off for seven days, if we're off for 14 days, if we're off for 21 days, if we're off for four weeks, what is it going to look like for me? I think looking at how the current situation is right now, I'm probably going to start at where we were in week two of preseason. That's... If I can give my best answer, that's probably going to be it. And the reason I'm saying that is because I have no idea, or we have no idea, how long the training session is going to last before the first game starts. But also how far, how, how long it is until we can get back with the guys to start the training process. So if it's a four-week break, you're taking a third of the off-season, really. So I've got to kind of put that in perspective. Now the guys have gone through a preseason, they've played two games. You know, we've been around for two months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's going to be a feel thing for me, too. And, and look, again, it's going back to knowing your boys so well. And then I'm talking to Clint and, and, and Will and Rawley and Abe every day. I talk to our sports science guys. I know exactly what's going on. We have apps. We have all that sort of stuff. So I know where they're at. I know they're reaching to get back on the field. But it's just going to be a matter of how long we are off before and knowing what we have from the start date back on the field until we back to playing our first game. And then, to be honest with you, I'm probably going to look at who our first opponent is and I'm going to work backwards from there. So when we know that for all intents and purposes, we're playing Todd at Rail Salt Lake on May 1st, whatever it looks like, I'm going to work back from there and know exactly where I need to be in my session planning and my thought process. And, and I, I have a funny feeling it's going to probably be in that week two, week three range of where I started from. So the guys are building from there back into the first game again. Got it. Okay. I'm going to kind of remix that uh, that question back and throw it back at you with uh let's say you're coming back from an injury uh or you're coming back from an into preseason like you were with the guys in that first week of preseason for the coach who knows there's been a long layover for these guys or long layoff for these guys when they're coming back in what are let's say like two or three focus points that you're looking for is it hand-eye coordination like what specifically are you trying to build back up right i think you know if it's coming back off like a, a long layoff mm -hmm. um it's the goalkeeper specific fitness um, mm. I think it's very different. And, and I, I use the word goal, or the words goalkeeper-specific fitness. It's a very different ability than this just to run around the field. And it, it's an ability to be explosive quickly, short, sharp movements, 
slow yourself down again, get your heart rate back down, the ability to calm yourself back down, go again. So it's building the goalkeeper-specific fitness. And then for me, this word is massive, building a rhythm, a rhythm, a rhythm, a rhythm, finding their rhythm again so they are comfortable in and around the goal, they are comfortable in certain areas, they are comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, and, and then obviously as you get the fitness back and you start finding a rhythm, it's then finding the ability to sharpen every part of what you're looking to, to achieve up. So I think those three things for me, fitness, goalkeeper specific fitness, rhythm, and then once you feel that you've got the first two down, and that's obviously, you know, that, that's a process that takes, you know, a couple of weeks, then you can really start turning the screws on, on, the, on the sharpness side of it and really upping the tempo a bit. I love the goalkeeper specific point. That's that's huge. And I think it's it is. It's making sure your mind can get back up, have clarity so your hands are your hands are clean. Uh, okay, my man uh, from uh, you know, I'm sure you know Neil Thompson. He says, coached against Rapids Academy number of occasions. I have always been impressed with the personality of the keepers. You can tell they are trained in a top environment, winner's mentality. So not a question, but I think you know Neil, so he says hi. Uh, let's Happy uh, welcome. <laughs> let's see. You know what? One of the questions, Chris, that is has arose from a lot of people is, what do you think of the goalkeeping world on social media at the moment? And is it a detriment to just the goalkeeping uh, landscape? Hmm. It's a good question. It's a, it's a, uh, again, a, an answer that could be long-winded. There is some rubbish on there. There is some things on there that you look at and go, that's probably really not going to be realistic to what's happening on a on a weekend you know but on the same hand there's some very very good stuff out there you know and i think it's just filtering through again here's the biggest thing for me we 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 all take things we all you know pick things up and we all add things to our training sessions and our environments that we see and we like you have to have a specific reason behind why you're doing it i can't just take a session from phil and have no idea why he was doing it and put it into my session because I don't know what he was trying to achieve and, and what the context of it he was trying to achieve it. I have to have some groundwork behind why I, why I want to do it. Now, maybe for me, it's taking something to fill did, tweaking it to what helps my goalkeepers, and then adding it into my session because mm-hmm. it's part of my philosophy or my game week build up or whatever it is. But I think amongst all the stuff on the social media right now that is probably quite far-fetched, there is some really, really, really good stuff. You know, and I'll take something that Phil did today. It was so basic. He got grabbed the ball, got himself in it, and you probably saw it, Omar. I did, yeah. Stuck around his legs and around. For me, it was it was a 30-second minute clip of just something that kids can do at home that's going to be far better for them than anything. They're diving and round sticks and jumping over hoops and so on and so forth. That at a young age, that stuff's wonderful. But it is it is again finding the things that are going to work for your goalkeepers is going to work for your culture. It's going to work for your philosophy. It's going to work for your methodology, but knowing why you're knowing why you're teaching it and knowing what you're asking the goalkeepers when you're teaching it. Great. That's a great answer. Um, okay. Johan MTZ underscore. He says, uh, when dealing with awkward bounces, do you have any suggestions on what can help? Get your body behind it. <laughs> wait, wait, you know, it's it, it, awkward bounces are, are a goalkeeper's worst nightmare. Those balls that dip right in front of you on a wet surface, on a windy day, um, you know, probably three three things. Good footwork to get your body behind the ball. Keep yourself over the ball if you can. So if it pops up and hits you in the chest, it goes straight back into an area below you that you can pick it up quickly. And as absolute best you can, do not turn your head. 
I see a lot of the mm. times the ball's skidding from the goalkeepers and they're worried about the bounce and, the, and their head turns and it hits them and they have no idea where it goes. You know, but part of your footwork, get your body over the top of it ha- and have a soft body co- composition and then keep your eyes on that ball as best you can. Love it. So yeah, just be brave, guys. Be brave, soft hands. Uh, okay, Matt Ponto, he says, what are your tips and tricks to creating a preseason plan for your goalkeepers? Do you create sessions the day before or plan them out more in advance? I'm a huge planner, I'm a, I'm a, and we spoke about this in preseason. I'm my my preseason is planned. I, I'm probably my preseason sessions are probably planned by the beginning of January for a, a January 21st start. But it starts from first game and works its way back to the start. I never go the other way around. I never go from day one to day 36. I go from match day one all the way back to the start and basically periodize my weeks first know what I need to get from, you know, and look at the games, you know, especially in a preseason. Are we playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday? What are, what are the goalkeepers going to need to get during the week as far as the game, the minutes are concerned? And then obviously working my sessions around that. But I'm a huge planner. I won't plan during the season. I won't plan the following week's sessions until that week that I'm in and the game that I'm in is up. I don't want to be thinking about, you know, Houston Dynamo when we're playing Vancouver. But I, I, my session, my week will work back from the goal, from the uh, the game on, on Saturday, and what the goalkeepers need to achieve during the week. Now, the week the, the weeks look different. If, if the if you know if the number one plays on Saturday, and we're training on Monday, usually Monday and Tuesday are my days to, to really work the, the the two of the three and the young goalkeeper as the academy kid to get them where they need to be. And then you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know we're looking at what we're going to be seeing on the weekend. So really for me, I usually spend my my Saturday mornings pre-game and my Sundays looking at the game we're playing the following week and, and planning from match day, match day minus one, two, three, my sessions from there. All right. That's actually, yeah, that's really important and, and very useful for either academy coaches or goalkeeper coaches that are trying to plan out their sessions throughout the week. So thank you for that one, Chris. Uh, okay. Uh, Christo Gayasso 01, he says to you, Chris, does height really matter and how, por- how important is size to you? So, um, yeah, up to you to, to kind of decipher that one. The height matters depending on the goalkeeper you have. So, again, I'll go back to Abraham and, and Nicky Romando. Like, Nick Romando, for me, is probably the best goalkeeper that's played in the MLS. He was not a big a big man. He was a man that knew his goalkeeping inside and out, upside down. He knew himself. He knew how he wanted to play, and he mastered the way he wanted to play. To me, and again, it goes back to the, the, what I was saying at the beginning about Tim Dittner. I listened to his stuff this morning, and he was talking about the, the goalkeeper's DNA, and I know Phil knows this really well. They did not put a size on the goalkeeper DNA. They put 12 to 20 tangible, intangibles that they wanted in the goalkeeper, and size was not one of them. So does size really matter to me? Not really, but you have to be good at everything else if you're going to be a smaller goalkeeper. You have to be good at everything else if you're going to be a very big goalkeeper because you know again it goes back to my answer before somewhere in the middle for me is my perfect goalkeeper but if you have mastered what you're trying to achieve and you know yourself as a goalkeeper and you know what's going to work for you as a goalkeeper you know obviously you want to be a little bit bigger because it helps you cover the goal 100 percent. but if you can master the art like nicky romando did then does size really matter at the highest level i think nick romando i think john bush have proved that you know it doesn't need to be agreed uh craig alston he says it's actually one of my favorite questions probably the best one of the group here it says how do you handle mixed ability groups if unable to group by ability great question and omar i'll tell you this he's one of my coaches oh really 
I mean, I, I read that. I, was, I didn't even know. I was like, whoa, that's actually a really good question. It's a great question. And it's, it's, a, it's a difficult, it's a very difficult thing to do. Mixed ability groups, I think for me, it's an answer that I learned early in my coaching career. You always work to the top goalkeeper in the group. You never mm-hmm. work to the one that you feel is the lower of the ability. Work with the top goalkeeper because if you're putting on the session to the, to the highest ability goalkeeper in the group, the rest of the group will catch up. Now, you're going to have some frustrated goalkeepers in that group. Yeah, sure. But you're also going to have some frustrated goalkeepers in the group if you work towards the lower ability kids. But I think that there's two, there's two sides to that for me. It is, it is plan your session and work your session to the highest level ability because you'll find that the top half, the middle, middle you know, third of the kids or the top third, the middle third will kind of catch themselves up. The bottom third will get better quicker because they'll need to try and hang with those top group. But also, too, it goes back to something that we talked about in preseason. Know how to talk to the goalkeepers on the fly. Don't be stopping the session for the – so let's say you've got a group of 10 kids and the bottom three are, are quite a ways behind the, the top seven. Mm-hmm. You don't want to keep stopping it for those bottom three all the time and the top seven are getting frustrated. Have the ability to be able to coach on the fly. So I'm serving – the one coming in to, through the cones for the volley for all intensity purposes, whilst I'm giving the information to the to the young, you know, lady or man that's just ducking off to the back of the line. To me, the ability to coach on the fly is huge in those scenarios because it allows you to give information whilst you're keeping the rhythm of the session going and whilst you're keeping everybody happy as well. That's a great answer. Next one here, which is actually a good one as well, from Evan Bierman. He says, when watching film, either yours or a pro game, what should you be looking for in the goalkeeper's game? Uh, so I'm going to kind of rephrase that, and I think what he's trying to get out of it is from a coach's perspective, when you're watching someone's film that's being sent to you, what are you looking for and how are you able to kind of see where, where their ability lands? Yeah, I think look, a lot of the times you know, we get sent a lot of video uh, for goalkeepers, you know, especially in that kind of that late DA age that are looking to, to jump into a pro environment or coming into the DA. You know, looking at a, a young goalkeeper on a video is quite different to looking at a, an already senior pro because you're looking for completely different things, to be honest with you. you know, and I'll, I'll use a younger goalkeeper, for example. When I'm getting the goalkeepers for the 14s, 15s, 16s, 17s, and I'm looking at them, I'm looking at the way they move, I'm looking at their starting positions, You know, which sometimes is not easy on video because the video moves with the ball and, and, and you can't see their starting positions. I'm looking at their ability to control the, the guys in front of them or girls in front of them, looking at what they're seeing in the game. So, you know, back pass is played in or ball comes over the top, they, take, they collect the ball, what is the next pass? What are they seeing next? Are they giving it the centre back with no thought, and the centre back gets done? You know, are, are they are they faking to give it to the outside back, which pushes the striker away, which rolls underneath? Like I'm just looking for those again, those intangibles that are so important to me in the next level, rather than just keeping the ball at the back of the net. There's another process to the whole thing as well, and I think for me, then you jump to the the pro environment. They're usually coming in because they have those intangibles. So now I'm looking at they're at that, that moment. I'm looking at them because they are probably good enough to be there. Now, how are they doing everything else? You know, are, are they making the correct decisions on process? Are they making the correct decisions, you know, with their shot stopping? Are they closing the space down quick enough? Are they playing high enough off their line behind the back four to, to sweep behind it? How are they building from the back? Are they the first line of attack? Are they, you know, all those little things that when you watch the video, it depends on the age group. Uh, and what I'm looking to achieve from that video, because obviously it's, it's different. It's a different process in those two age groups. 
Perfect. So, Chris, we have about eight minutes left because I know the Instagram Live cuts out at, at eight minutes. So I'm going to try and uh, get these questions to you quick so I can answer some of them. But uh, feel free to go as long or as short as you need to, okay? Okay, Raul's uh, XR, he says, any suggestions for aspiring and inexperienced goalkeeper coaches? For me, it, it is, again, doing your homework. Uh, look, everyone starts as an inexperienced goalkeeper coach, period. Everyone starts as an inexperienced something. You have to put your time in on the field um, and play with your session planning, play with your philosophy, work at it, plan. Going onto a football field and having no plan, nine times out of ten won't work for you because you'll come off the field not understanding what you have to achieve with your goalkeepers that day. So for inexperienced coaches, for me, having a plan of what you're trying to achieve on a specific day in a specific session or over the course of a week is a huge part to me for me, for those guys to get to where they need to be. And I think then on the other side of it too is take people like yourself, Omar, who are putting wonderful content out there, GK Nexus, you know, international goalkeepers, Phil Webb, all these guys who are putting great stuff out there, do your homework, look at it, study it, think about, you know, your, your speech and how you're talking to people and, and your philosophy term and your terminology and your just all those little intangibles that are going to help you as a goalkeeper coach build your way as you go. But I think for me, having a plan, understanding what you're trying to achieve from your sessions, and then continue learning in your virtual world about, you know, or, or from the best goalkeeping coaches is only going to help you. Great answer. I love that. Uh, okay, just for Keepers South, they say, in your training session with younger goalkeepers, would you prefer the goalkeeper coach take the services in order to have better repetitions or have the goalkeepers take the service to improve, which I think a lot of us young goalkeeper coaches have been struggling with, and it'd be important, or important, be nice to hear your, your think on that. Wonderful question. Two reasons. You get your goalkeepers good enough to be in the first team environment, they need to be able to serve a football. Period. I will not, if I have the best U19 goalkeeper in the country and he cannot serve a football, I cannot take him in the first team environment because they have to serve balls. Um, so I think it's a, it's a catch 22 for me. It's hard when you have big numbers to serve balls as a goalkeeping coach all the time. You need to have reps in there as well. So I think that, that U11, 12, 13 age group, if you can do the majority of the serving, will help you. But at that age group, 13, 14, 15, you need to start adding into where they can volley a ball well, they can inside foot a ball to, to a low dive, they can hit a volley to a collapsed dive, they can hit a cross in. When you're, again, going back to working on positional stuff, when you're doing stuff like cutbacks or angled shots, they need to be able to serve balls. And it is a huge part of my sessions and my DA boys and my yes. first team boys that is it's critical. If the session is going to run smoothly and we are going to achieve in the session – those young men and women need to be able to serve football, but you have to find the right time. I know it's not easy when you're in big groups to have service from those, those young kids, but there, there needs to be a balance where you start to introduce that. Maybe it's a volley at the beginning of the session. Maybe they're doing insteps for a front smother, but you've got to start slowly pro producing that for them so they can start getting used to it as well. All right. Okay, we got uh, – real quick, I'm going to give you uh, about 30 seconds here, Chris. Just give me a little bit of what's going on in your life right now. Do you have anything that's coming out soon or uh, you want to plug anything before uh, – just in case we get disconnected because things run out? Look, everything going on in my life right now is just head down, working hard towards, you know, when we're back on the field. Um, you know, I, I don't really have a whole lot coming out. If, if I, I get the chance to, I will on, on our core goalkeeper academy site. Um, I'll keep adding – you know, content as best I can, you know, and then for me, guys, everybody out there, keep taking the stuff that Omar's putting out, keep taking the stuff that Phil's putting out, it, it, it is fantastic, guys, so just keep watching for it, and again, for me, guys, 
you know, call Goalkeeper Academy um, or you can hit me up on here. Just DM me if you have questions and, and, and it's great. Throw questions at me and I'll answer them as quick as I possibly can. I'd love to answer the questions from you guys. So please do. Awesome. Okay. I have one more question here from Armando, which uh, I, I love. Again, I love this question. He says, as an MLS goalkeeper, can you walk us through some of the things that you key into on game day and what type of feedback are you giving to your goalkeepers on the game day? Right. I think for me, you know, and I'll try and be quick here because I know I'm running out of time, Omar, but at that level, Tim, Clint, Zach McMath, Will Yarbrough, Andre Rawls, all these guys, they have their process. They have their process from the moment they walk up, wake up to the moment they walk in their dressing room. All I'm trying to do for them on the game day is, A, educate them and send them give them reminders about the, the team we're facing and the plays that they're going to be seeing, left-footed, right-footed, mm -hmm shoots from distance, angles, cuts inside, whatever it looks like, penalties, giving them the information on the penalties as best we can, the video and all that stuff. And then as soon as we walk out in the field, it is just finding their rhythm. It is making sure that, for me, my service is, is, is on from, from minute one, uh, making sure that the number two service is on from minute one, uh, making sure the number two's had a good warm-up with me prior to the number one coming out. But again, it is making sure that the, the number one, the goalkeeper that's playing, is, is in a great rhythm from the time they walk on the field to the time they, their warm-up stops and just prior to walking on to, to match starting. All right, so this might end right now, but Chris, one word that allows you, or what's a one word that defines what you look for in a starting goalkeeper, your first choice? Like, what do you what do you look for from them that's like the biggest point of emphasis? Consistency. You've got to be consistent, and that is keeping the ball at the back of the net and understanding what the team, that the, the head coach is asking for the group, and then just from that moment, finding ways to make big saves, finding ways to win your team games, finding ways to, to, to get your team points and, and doing it at a consistent level day in and day out. All right. Core GK just commented, there are several goalkeeping brands to choose from. What's your goalkeeper glove brands? What's your favorite? <laughs> Chris, you're the man. Guys, Core GK. <laughs> Chris, you're the man. Thank you so much, guys. If you haven't seen Chris Sharp on my YouTube channel, go watch. There's two episodes you guys can watch. He's mic'd up. Great access. Chris, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll hopefully talk soon. Thanks, Alma. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks right. very much, everybody. Take care.